On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we continue on with Sports Movie Month with a rabbit, a weirdly sexy rabbit, a duck, a pig, and the best basketball player of all time. That's right, we're talking Space Jam. Get your popcorn ready. Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of homemade movie theater popcorn and pretty much anything else that you want to eat while watching a movie right now. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Malhorn. David, how's the newborn? Oh, he's doing great. Yeah. We've been blessed with kids that sleep fairly well, so uh, that's right. that's nice. But it's still less sleep than you, uh, than someone like your yourself, whose only child is yourself. Yes, who's the only living human being in my place of residence. It's it's I I can only imagine what it's like. Well, we're happy to have you back. We're sad that I mean, listen, Mighty Ducks too. You know what are you gonna do about it? Um, you guys did a you guys did a great job. You know you're while. Thank you. uh, while lacking in in the hockey knowledge, maybe um, I still felt overall uh, you and and Lindsay did a did an excellent job. I listened to it uh, while uh, I think I might have even listened to it while at the hospital. I can't remember. Okay, all right. Well, that's high praise, obviously coming from the hockey man himself, and and obviously continuing on with with this kind of month of this first major month while in quarantine sports obviously aren't happening. Uh, you know, so we're podcasting on sports movies to fill the void over, over the month of April, we've been focusing on some of our favorite sports movies, sports movies that we consider to be iconic for whatever reason, you know, the fact that they were, uh, a lot of these sports movies were picked from sports movies of our childhood, uh, is maybe one part of it. And, this episode is all about basketball. The NBA playoffs were scheduled to start on April 18th. Obviously, that's not happening. And we missed out on March Madness uh, all through March and the Final Four and all of that, which usually happen at the start of April. And so today, we want to celebrate the sport of basketball in movies. And so naturally, to do that, I mean, there are a lot of basketball movies that exist out there. Celtic Pride, Eddie... Uh, High Flying Bird, Sixth Man, White Men Can't Jump, Blue Chips, Coach Carter, Glory Road. There's a lot of them. Hoosiers. Hoosiers, obviously. But naturally, we decided to focus on probably the most ridiculous quote-unquote basketball movie ever made. And I say that knowing that there is a basketball movie out there with two fans who kidnap a star player. And that there's a basketball movie out there where a ghost plays the sixth man. Instead, we are focusing on Space Jam. <laughs> the uh, the 19, oh God, 1996, I think, Looney Tunes, Michael Jordan crossover live action extravaganza. Uh, David, how do you feel about Space Jam? After listening off all of those movies, you and I decided on this movie. Well, why, I think did, why did we pick this movie? Well, I think it's also a little bit more topical. Who knows now with everything going on when it'll come out, but we're getting a Space Jam 2. It's true, um, which is going to be wild, apparently. Apparently, it's not just going to be cartoons. It's going to be 
a bunch of Warner Brothers characters like Joker, The Mask, even Pennywise. Like, there's all different types of crazy rumors out there of what's going to yeah. be like. Well, and it's got, you know, and we'll get into who's involved with this one, but no offense to the director of this one, but it's got Justin Lin, which is a pretty big, uh, pretty big name to direct a, a Space Jam movie. That's uh, space. Well, you got, you got LeBron. You got Kugler producing it. Yep. You got Hans Zimmer apparently doing the doing the music. Like we're not exactly playing around here for, for Space Jam. No. Two. No. So obviously, uh, you know, we may uh, repost this podcast and and bring uh, attention to it whenever that comes out. Yeah. But who who knows? Given the state of the world and everything getting pushed back, when it'll come out. But um, I think also. Uh, this is very appropriate because this weekend we have uh, the Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls documentary coming out on ESPN. So yeah. I felt like uh, this would be a good one to do because it, it's Michael Jordan in his heyday. Um, it's uh, It's got a little bit of everything. It's It doesn't really have your typical basketball scenes, but it's got some, you know, goofiness of kids movies, just like kind of Mighty Ducks. There's more realistic hockey movies out there, um, but at the same time, it's a it's a fun one. And it, again, it's from our childhood, and I think a lot of people, especially our age, but probably of you know pretty widespread range of ages, have you know specific memories of this. Um, sure, I'm sure for adults that were to go and watch it today who had never seen it, probably would be a little rough. Maybe, but I think if you watch this and you were under the age of 18, under the age of 16, when you first saw this, I think you enjoy it. My kids love it. Oh, listen, for what it is, it's a good time. What's funny is that with the first two sports movies that we did for Sports Movie Month, they follow pretty much the traditional structure of the sports movie. You know, Mm -hmm. we got to play the games. We got to deal with the infighting and we got to rise up the ranks and become the best right and this movie and our last movie do not follow any of that pattern whatsoever this movie does not follow the pattern of a sports movie at all uh this movie really only feels like it's two acts like it doesn't really feel like there's a a traditional three-act structure not that every movie has to have a three-act structure at all but it just kind of unfolds so now david for you obviously you're more of a basketball guy than i am i am a big basketball fan i've been a phoenix suns fan for a long time but you played basketball in high school Mm -hmm. you coach basketball now um so as far as you know what we like to go first we like to go to the tail of the tape first and kind of figure out where in history does this particular movie fall And despite the fact that this is a movie about Michael Jordan playing cartoon aliens for the fate of the Looney Tunes, it actually does fall in a particular moment of history for basketball and for Michael Jordan. That kind of, that makes it kind of interesting, right? Yeah. It's, it actually does something that a decent number of sports movies like to do, which is um, go in the relative, I say relative present, because when this came out, Technically, it was a little after the, the events that happened. Um, 
but takes place during an actual period actually really famous period of time for the NBA and specifically Michael Jordan took place between 1993 when, uh, the Bulls had just finished their three-peat and Michael Jordan announced his retirement um, and that he wanted to try baseball. And so obviously this is massive news. He was at the peak of his powers, just three-peated. The Bulls looked absolutely dominant. Like you could have seen, you know, one could have envisioned them winning, you know, for the extended future, like one of the most dominating yeah, uh, sports teams, sports dynasties in all of sports. So obviously a big shock. Um, there's a lot of conspiracy theories into why Michael Jordan actually uh, quote unquote retired or, or took this little hiatus. Uh-huh. Um, Michael Jordan off the court had been uh, known as a bit of a gambler. Um, and a little bit. And so there was rumors that maybe there was something that Jordan did off the court that would have warranted a decent size suspension or, you know, maybe for a lesser player, maybe it would have even been a ban. But when literally the face of your sport, the best player of your sport, who has just led a team to three straight NBA championships, when it would have to be that person. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, everybody thinks of it when it comes to scandals in sports, like probably the biggest one um, would be like Pete Rose, all-time hit leader for the MLB. Yeah. When you're talking uh, like players. Yeah. For like the biggest name player to get in trouble for something like that. Right. And so for them to do that, I mean, it would have been a massive hit to the NBA. So there's a lot of people that think that's, that's why this happened i i for one you know the only conspiracy theory that i gave into was uh which was confirmed which was the refs were against the suns yeah the playoffs yeah we got confirmation of that yeah uh, vindicated that, <laughs> vindicated exactly vindication so uh outside of that i try not to give in too much to conspiracy theories <laughs> as a sports fan but uh it's it's fascinating and and who knows if we'll ever find out whether there was any truth to it um credit to probably one of the few people that would actually know uh was david stern who yep. passed away this past year rest in peace yep uh, but it probably may have even has been as small of a circle as david stern michael jordan and whoever discovered whatever happened if if that happened but regardless right. that's when this movie's set um it obviously focuses on michael and the minors michael was not a good minor league baseball player no um you know we kind of have something similar going on with tim tebow playing in the minors um and a lot of people kind of feeling like he gets a pass and they even have some fun with it i feel like in this movie oh yeah uh, that's cheering the strikeouts and telling him how great he looked striking out the catcher trying to uh help him out and tell him what pitches were coming but that's the time period that it happens and it ends we actually end the movie with him coming out of retirement, wearing Jersey 45, which actually happens in real life. Obviously, everything else that happens in between the start and the finish right. is all fictional. But um, there, it, it does like to use real life you know, stuff in this, the movie. This movie does posit. It's important to note that this movie posits that 
Michael Jordan regained his love of basketball from playing with the Looney Tunes. Yeah. So, I mean, if you ever need to know where that came from. I mean, wouldn't we all just (laughs) regain our love of of the sport if we got to go play in a fictional or in Looney Tune land and you played monsters? That nonsense game that they played. um, Hey, we'll get get into your complaints later. We will get into my complaints later. So we're following. I mean, there's not really a team we're following. I mean, obviously, the the baseball team is the the Barons, uh, which was the White Sox. Uh, minor league affiliate at the time where he's playing and then it's the tune squad versus the monsters tune squad admittedly like a top five fictional jersey oh absolutely like an incredible incredible setup incredible jersey monsters all that um good time and again unlike a lot of other um sports movies there isn't really a lot to quote unquote overcome it's we got to beat the monsters but there isn't really a training montage. There isn't really any of that where we're trying to become better. You know, they're going up against the Monstars who are run by Swackhammer. They're trying to play as a team, you know, with amongst all the Looney Tune nonsense. And they are trying not to get taken to, you know, what is it? Moron Mountain. Moron Mountain. Yeah, Moron, <laughs> Moron Mountain. Mountain. The intergalactic theme park where they would be entertainment slaves. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't help that they're the Monstars stole the power of five NBA players and followed no rules of basketball. Well, and they and also appear to be about 20 times the size of anybody on the Toon Squad. They're just gigantic. like And taller than the baskets for that, for that matter. Yeah, they're doing dunks from the three-point line and whatnot. Yeah, yeah so um, uphill battle for uh, a team that includes one human basketball player and uh and a bunch of animals a bunch of animal cartoon characters yeah like what's there's no there's literally not there's no yeah it's this movie is nonsense it's fun this movie's still a lot of fun but it's it's tough watching it after watching those other two sports movies after watching um major league and all and i i won't lie i watched all three mighty ducks movies like i just mowed through them need to um it's hard not to so let's go to the history books let's look at the movie itself uh i i threw together the stats of of uh of every everybody who was involved with it you know, this movie came out in november of, of 1996 it was directed by joe pitka who was a pretty big music video director but this is only his second and then from everything that i've been able to tell last movie uh so joe pitka i i don't know what happened like it just maybe he just went back to um directing music videos there's a couple hey, of movies that i have watched where that's happened hey and listen if there is one great gift that this movie provides it's yes. the soundtrack phenomenal soundtrack. phenomenal soundtrack Inc- all-timer soundtrack uh you got i mean i believe i can fly space jam what do we you know it, it is it's an all-timer it's you an even all-timer got uh, you even had a uh jay-z back in the day yep wrote the rap that uh that bugs does on the uh on the soundtrack which is n- like just again nuts yeah it, it goes to show i think sorry to throw us off here but it it's goes okay. to show i think the influence that 
you know, those peak basketball players have, uh-huh. um, you know, similar to what's happening with Space Jam 2, the fact that, you know, Justin Lin and, you know, the, the people that are getting involved in this, Ryan Coogler, like the people sure. that are getting involved, like, because a lot of these people are like the biggest fans of these players. And so if they come calling and say like, can you help me out with this movie? I want to get made. Like they're not really going to say no to, you know, six to eight weeks of being able to spend time with maybe their sports hero. So it's like, it's interesting. It's uh, it's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. It's wild. Um, so Joe Pitka put this all together. It was, it had four writers. It had uh, Leo Benvenuti and Steve Rudnick and then Timothy Harris and then Herschel Weingrad. And you know, these guys have actually made some significant contributions. Uh, Benvenuti and Rudnick wrote the Santa Claus and they wrote on the Carol Burnett show and the Dennis Miller show. Harris and Weingrad actually tie together in a number of ways. They both were writers on Brewster's millions and kindergarten cop harris wrote trading places which is an incredible eddie murphy movie weingrad wrote twins so there's some interesting behind the camera talent involved here and then of course michael jordan you know like what what, what can you say about michael jordan the, the 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 best basketball player of all time um i find it really funny in hindsight about how like Michael Jordan is known as just a killer. Like that's sure. one, that's one of his legacies is he's just a stone cold killer. Like if you're not playing on his level, he'll let you know ice in his veins, that kind of thing. And it's just funny to see him in this goofy kids movie. And it's funny to look at all the posters. Cause all the posters have him smiling and it's like, he's posing for, you know, preseason uh, photos that are going to go in the, in the, in the booklets at the games um honestly i i don't know how good of a plan it was to take somebody who has never acted before and then put him in a green screen environment where he's acting against nothing uh because he's not the best actor in this movie when he's going up against bugs and stuff but he does kind of light up he lights up a number of times number one when he gets like mad and is trash talking with somebody like swag hammer or whatever mm-hmm. you can kind of like i buy it I buy like, oh, Jordan's getting a little upset here. Um, And then when Bill Murray, when he's acting with like Bill Murray and Larry Bird and and those guys, like, it's just funnier when Bill Murray shows up at the end and he's just like, we're on defense, like that kind of thing. Like, I buy that. Um, Well, you know, kind of where this film came from, right? Why don't you tell us? Well, so (laughs) really the... (laughs) The main reason this got done or, or what kind of triggered this getting done was all based off of a 1993 commercial for Air Jordans that featured Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny where they go into space and they play basketball against Marvin the Martian who has stolen all of the world's supply of Air Jordans. And <laughs> um, the ad was like a massive hit. And so um, there was you know, believed, at least this is what's, you know, said that, you know, this was an example of some chemistry between Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. Yeah. And so, um, and they actually made a sequel of that ad basically 12 years later with Blake Griffin going against Marvin, the 
Martian um, wasn't quite as received, which Blake Griffin is no Michael Jordan. He's no but, Michael uh, Jordan. He's doing, he's giving it, he's doing his best, you know, he's doing the, stand up and stuff. The interesting thing to know that is uh, Pitka was the one who actually did those commercials. Ah, well, that makes sense. So, uh, so he had already kind of worked in directing him in those, uh, in those commercials. And so it obviously makes sense. That might be why he ended up landing the gig to direct sure. the movie itself. Sure. Uh, and, and this actually turned into other commercials as well. He was, uh, Jordan was a spokesperson for MCI communications. So he showed up with the Looney Tunes in a number of commercials after this as well. So it's kind of interesting. Like Michael, uh, it's, it's very much marketing. Like it's, sure. it's a, almost a commercial in and of itself, but, but getting him involved, it was wild and it worked out, you know? Um, and everyone else is kind of second place. You know, you got Wayne Knight, obviously playing publicists who I don't know of any publicists who's, hired to the biggest sports personality in the world who's driving this piece of shit car as, as he is like you got, they kind of play off this idea that this guy's a loser, but in reality, if he was Michael Jordan's publicist, like he's driving an okay car, he's doing fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then you got Larry bird. You got everybody in the, in the NBA, Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Larry Johnson, Sean Bradley, Muggsy Bogues. You got all of them and they credit where credit's due. Like they get a couple of scenes where they got to play like they don't have their basketball skills anymore. And it's pretty entertaining. Um, One of the things that I found really interesting, you know, because you brought up the the sports players. Right. um, Which were kind of, you know, you know, at least at least a handful of them like like Charles uh, but even Patrick Ewing um, seemed to be kind of the guys that Jordan hung out with off the court. So they kind of right. made sense. Um, but it was interesting to read up like all the people that they tried to get involved in this movie. That's and, what I want to talk about. And I, failed. <laughs> there's, um, I want to, I don't know if you want to do it now or if you want to do it when we go through the players, but I have made a whole list of players that they could have sh- and maybe should have had in. Well, let's save the players for uh, for then. But there okay. there was a lot of like for the minor characters, like um, they tried. Uh, what were all the people we had? Uh, Spike Lee, they wanted to get to do some work on the script. Uh, supposedly Pitka, um, the director, oh, wow. wanted him to do some stuff on the script. But Warner Brothers uh, vetoed it because of issues they ran in to when they did Malcolm X with Spike Lee. Okay. Um, and then there was all that they struggled really hard to find someone to play Stan who you were talking about, um, which ended up being played by Wayne Knight, but they tried to get um, Costanza, <laughs> Jason okay. Alexander. Okay. Uh, they tried to get Michael J. Fox. Then they tried to get Chevy Chase. Um, oh, man. And just either Warner Brothers vetoed it or the person didn't want to do it. And so it was interesting to see like in this movie, like there was a lot of things that they ran into just trying to fill characters and get this movie done. So shouts out to Wayne Knight. Yeah. It's surprising how hard they pushed to make this movie get done, how hard they pushed to get this movie done. Yeah. (laughs) Considering all the, the bumps they ran into. Yeah, definitely. Um, It's, it's pretty crazy. I think maybe my, 
I don't know if this is necessarily my favorite bit of trivia, but I love that they cast fake people to play his real family. So uh, Teresa, oh God, um, Teresa Randall plays uh, Juanita Jordan. And mm-hmm. Teresa Randall was, is Marcus Burnett's wife in Bad Boys. Mm-hmm. She's been a bunch of stuff. She's in Malcolm X. She was in Spawn. Uh, she worked with Spike Lee quite a bit. But she plays Juanita Jordan, who's a real person who they eventually divorced. And then they got his kids, right? They got Jasmine Jordan. They got um, Marcus Jordan as as his kids. Here's one thing I didn't know until just this very, not until literally looking up this movie. MB, future NBA player Eric Gordon, Eric Gordon yep. played Michael Jordan's son in this movie. And that's crazy to me. I don't even know how that happens. <laughs> um, but and then of course you got a whole bunch for a Suns fan, it's it's really cool to kind of see a snapshot of it because this was the peak Suns team. You know, this is when you had Barkley and Danny Ainge and you know Dan Marley, Paul Westfall was the coach. Like those guys are all timers, you know, in Suns history for us. So it was really fun seeing it. Um, yeah. It was really fun seeing those guys. A lot of people involved with this movie. How did it do critically and commercially? Uh, commercially, it did better than it did critically. Um, sure. Budget was makes sense. Budget was eighty million, um, which I was trying to think where the the budget went to. Um, I imagine the NBA players got paid decently especially michael obviously this is expensive like back in the day i don't know how expensive it is now i imagine it's still pretty expensive but like that's the reason you we don't have as many live action animated movies because it costs a lot of money you know they they don't always hit yeah roger rabbit costs like 50 60 million dollars and it made 300 plus worldwide like that's a hit right but like cool world you know with brad pitt cool world did it and that movie didn't make any money um and then the looney tunes back in action which they made and you know that cost 80 million and it didn't even make its budget back yeah so it's it's risky it's they, they don't always work out these kinds of movies yeah but 80 million um gross 230 worldwide so um definitely you know made a profit and that's why i think as follow-up to this film, they tried in a lot of ways to redo this. I mean, just because we're now in the world of everything's remade and redone Uh um, doesn't mean they weren't trying to do it back then. Um, I think it's probably maybe a little bit harder to convince studios back then, but also especially convince people that they want to come back for things, especially a goofy one like this, where critics were 43% on it, it was 60% audience, so not great. Um, Siskel said at times a hoot and gave it three and a half, three and a half out of four. So that's pretty good. From wow. Um, and actually Ebert liked it as well. Uh, he said it's an inspired way to use and kid Jordan's image while at the same time updating Bugs Bunny and company to do a battle in a multi-zillionaire zillion dollar animation sweepstakes so raj doesn't always get it but in this case he he gets it 
he did so but there was a funny enough there was they attempted to remake this um someone put out that jordan wanted to do a new one so they started building out a concept for the second one and it a lot of the work was done by people that were involved with Ren and Stimpy. Um, okay. Bob Camp, the showrunner okay. for Ren and Stimpy, was supposedly kind of working on an initial mock-up. Mel Brooks was going to play the villain um, in Space 2 of a character called Berserko. So there's actually, you can find a lot of stuff on it, but he was supposed to play the villain in it. Uh, but uh, they also were going to try to do things like... Um, Oh, I, Jackie Chan wanted to make a Spy Jam <laughs> movie. Oh, God. With Looney Tunes. And this this tells you uh, they were wanting to, supposedly we're going to look into doing a race jam with Jeff Gordon being in the Michael <laughs> Jordan character. So none of this obviously ended up happening, um, probably for good good reasons. The Probably the most intriguing one to me would probably be the Jackie Chan one. Skate jam, skate jam with Tony Hawk. Yeah, you know, so it was interesting to see all the things, but that in large part plays to. I mean, yes, it was wasn't cheap. It was eighty million, but it made two hundred thirty million. So uh, it wasn't like a. I mean, that's a that's a good good profit. Yeah, it's a good profit. Um, not too bad. I'm 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 genuinely. I mean, again, as I said, these movies aren't exactly slam dunk home run type of movies to make and make money on, but. I am surprised that one never materialized directly out of it. It, yeah. it is somewhat surprising. Um, but yeah, we're getting a new one. If, if, if the world, if, and when the world gets back in and back to normal, we'll, we'll, we'll be getting a new one. Um, next, obviously we got to talk about the players, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick little break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider Becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. All right. So <laughs> now we got to talk about the players. Now, I honestly like, how do you talk about the players in this movie? How do we do a scouting report on the players for this movie? Because it's just Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, well, let's say here we were we taking the Toon Squad first. I mean, yeah, we might as well. Well, you have Michael Jordan, so greatest basketball player of all time. Um, we go through about it feels like twenty different Looney Tunes characters throughout. There's some this I film. don't even recognize, even to this day. I don't know who the little mouse is. Yeah, you know? I can't remember, but uh, I mean, the main ones you have obviously Bugs Bunny. You got Bugs. You got Daffy Duck. Bug seems not really familiar that much with basketball. No. Um, 
he they put on that awful video that's like the the <laughs> introducing the sport of basketball. Yep. Where it's just really bad basketball. Not even like because it's back then. I don't think anybody makes a basket the entire time in that. And they're throwing up like hook shots from all over the court. So it's it's pretty comical when I watched it. Yeah. But Bugs doesn't seem to know a whole lot. Daffy Duck claims to uh to have some basketball experience, but it seems like his experience is just wearing basketball clothes. Yep. Uh, Lola Bunny doesn't doesn't come out initially and and act like she's got experience, but she seems to be one of the more competent players. Once she we does. Get the she seems game. to be the more. I mean, we're not going to go down the 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 Lola Bunny discussion that probably should be gone down, which sure. is ups, upsetting. Well. In that, I mean, it's not upsetting, you know. I mean, we listen, listen. Sometimes cartoon animals are, uh, you know, they're 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 overly attractive. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know why it happens. We definitely don't need to go down. That I don't know why. Listen, too. I'm not alone on that either, and I know I'm not alone <laughs> on that. I know I'm not alone on that. Well, but you're you're right in that she does seem to be the most competent of maybe all of the all of the looney tunes funny enough did you know that this was her introduction to looney tunes i did know that there's been there's been some people said like this like oh that's you know roger rabbit and jessica rabbit's daughter there you go which is i'm on board it's not a bad theory except her name isn't lola rabbit it's lola bunny yeah which again feels like they're doing this shit on purpose david like it's just lola bunny i feel like if it's Lola Bunny, Bugs Bunny. I don't right. know if maybe we're related. I don't know. I don't Anyways. know. I don't like. I don't like. I don't it. like that. I don't, I don't like, like that. the. I don't like the connotations of that. I don't even like to think about it. Um, but I, you, I guess what? <laughs> well, we've got Tasmanian Devil, which okay. I feel like most of Tasmanian Devil's like work out there would probably be against the rules, which I know you'll, you'll, you have that in your nitpicks about this, yes. about the ru- lack of rules. What rules? Um, we've got Elmer Fudd, who is not a really very good athlete, I would no. say. Um, I would argue that he, speed. I would argue that Elmer Fudd has the best pure basketball moment slash move in the entire film. Sure. Sure. He, uh, he, he comes ready to play. He makes the most of his ability He's in got this. the headband. He's ready to rock. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I do want to give a couple special shout outs. Like number one, shout out to Sylvester the cat just for being the one track mind. Like despite the fact that they're all playing as a team, he's still trying to get that Tweety Bird. And I respect yeah. the, I respect the, the ambition and I respect the dedication to the bit, to his craft. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could talk about uh, Wayne Knight. And we could talk about how Stan gets one play before he's flattened, but he gets the shot off. Mm-hmm. And we could talk about Bill Murray and talk about his incredible. Uh, he's basically a court general out there. You know, he's directing the action. Strategic. He's 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 he draws up the play with Daffy Duck to get the key turnover. Yeah. You know, that's that's a that's that's being a that's being a con a, con, a contributor, Bill. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Doing a pretty good job. And then we have the Monstars who steal the skill of five NBA players and then just proceed to dunk the entire movie. 
Yeah. Well, let's go through these players, though. We've got Charles Barkley, who at the the time, um, which we're supposed to assume this is between 93 and 95, Mm -hmm. which in 93, he was the MVP of the league. Um, Barkley's great. On the Suns team that played Jordan in the uh, NBA finals. Went to the finals. We don't need to talk about that series, but they lost. Um, So he's Barkley's hall of famer at the peak of his powers. Yes. From that standpoint, Larry Johnson was a, an up and coming dominant, like physical inside fits the, you know, kind of mode that they're going for with these monsters. That's true. Um, That's true. Patrick, you, he was, he was an inside guy. Yeah. He didn't really, wasn't really known to shoot well, but he was good in the post and, Mm -hmm. and a strong physical player, good rebounder. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Ewing, obviously one of the one of the better centers of all time, um, but unable to win any championships, mostly because of Michael Jordan. Right. Uh, but he's a, another big dude, mostly known for his work around the hoop, mm-hmm. not for shooting. Uh, Muggsy Bogues, who's probably most famous for being the shortest player ever uh, in the NBA. Um, most people, I think, go to Spud Webb, but Muggsy yeah. Bogues actually was smaller than him. Uh, but he was fast ball handler uh, back in that time during the NBA shooting wasn't really what it is now. Like they didn't shoot 33 pointers a game. So uh-huh. back then like people shot three pointers and it was a weapon, but not in the way that analytics have changed the game now. Uh, and then you get Sean Bradley who they actually wanted George Murasan for this who George actually had some acting history, but for yeah. some reason they couldn't get him. Was, in, uh, was he in My Giant? My Giant, yep. Yeah. So they wanted to get him, but they apparently failed at that, so they went with the other really tall person in the NBA. So George Murasan was 7'7". I think uh, Sean Bradley was like 7'6 or something. But Nuts. You know, I think he was more of we need a goofy, like – Cause you had the alien that stole his powers Blanco, who was kind of the dumb, mm-hmm. like airheaded. And so I think you wanted to find an NBA player that kind of reminded you of that. Sure. So definitely these aliens aren't looking to put together a well thought out, well-rounded team. You know, there was no idea of like, let's get a good shooting guard and a small forward in that. It was basically like, let's get the most dominant like physically players out the biggest there. guys we could biggest guys we can outside of i don't know where mugsy bogues comes other than like you needed a guard he's, um, yeah he's unique and you which definitely i would need a guard which i would say in the game itself uh not the red alien or mugsy bogues probably gets the least amount of screen time or at least emphasis it's mostly the big dudes just dunking yeah it's because the game is nonsense <laughs> It's because it's a nonsense game and it doesn't require, like, they don't even, it's just, it's just nonsense. I, it feels stupid to get mad at a animated basketball game, but it's, it's nonsense. Um, MV, I mean, this might be the shortest, like, MVP discussion. It's Michael Jordan. Yeah, there's no, there's no debating. It's Michael Jordan. There's no debating sure. it. Uh, sixth man. Now, here's the question for you. Sixth man. Um, which again, as we've discussed, you know, who makes the biggest impact with the least amount of time? Um, I would argue, I mean, obviously, Bugs, 
you know, but I think Bugs has a, a, a too much time. Like he's basically the number two guy on the team. He's a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue it's Bill Murray. You know, okay. j- just thinking about how Bill comes in, he plays for one single play. He amps everybody up. He designs the defensive play to get the ball to MJ. Sure. And that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big contribution for, for a guy who played literally, literally only 10 seconds in the game. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, I would go bugs, but I do think he's probably counted more as a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I think his both his biggest impact was the Michael's secret stuff stint at halftime, right? Which was really the turning point in, in, in this game. Um, the placebo, everybody pretty much. The hard part is, is everybody pretty much has one play for the most part. Um, yeah. You know, they just roll through each of them and they do one play and then get killed and we move on to the next one. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I think the case could be made for Bill Murray, though. He comes in in the biggest time in need, draws up the game winning strategy yep. and, uh, you know, plays his part and rides off into retirement. And I give and, you know, credit where credit's due. And this is something that I, you know, you pay attention to when you watch like we when I watched all the major league movies and I watched all the Mighty Duck movies, you know, there are different ways to win a game. And some of them focus on a defensive play. Some of them focus on an offensive play. And this is the same thing. This is a game that is lost without a good defensive play. Um, Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that they come in. It would have been easy to just say, we have the ball. We have 10 seconds left. We have to score. But to actually have to get the ball away, hey, that's – I credit where credit's due. I like that. I think it's important. Defense wins championships, you know. Um, All right. Now, this is one that I I think we might spend the most time on, but I'm not sure. But I went through and I looked at the seasons – basically the 93 through the 95 seasons. And I looked at stats. I looked at who was considered the best players at their positions – And so I put some names together of who I think should the Monstars have picked. Okay. Now, in my opinion, there's two that you don't change. I think you got to keep Barkley because not only, not only, as you said, was he the MVP and one of the best players in the game, but he's also has one of the biggest personalities in the game. And that's, that's important. That's valuable. And then I also think you pick Patrick Ewing as well. Not, I don't think Patrick Ewing ever got to the level of some of some of his other peers and whatnot, but he was memorable. He was distinctive. He had a distinct look, a distinct playing style, um, and those types of things. And so, like, that's where I think you keep those two. You keep Ewing. You keep okay. Charles Barkley. Muggsy, and, and I have to imagine, you brought up a really good point when, when you talked about the other players as well. Is I have to imagine part of it was, like, just who Michael liked and who Michael didn't like, like how is Carl Malone not in this movie? You know? Well, if you know much about the NBA and kind of the history, it's pretty well known that Carl Malone's kind of a douche. (laughs) So I think that probably played a big role as well as you also have to think which NBA players would want to be in. Right kind of like a kid's movie and right i think the especially hard one is like the goofy big center because right because here are the centers that i have listed yeah from that from that from that era okay mm-hmm. Shaq, who is still with the who was still with the magic he wasn't the Shaq that we knew but he was still Shaq. 
Sure. Hakeem Olajuwon, two-time, yep. two-time M- uh, NBA <laughs> champion the two years that Michael Jordan didn't play. Yep. One of the best centers to ever play the game. Dikembe Mutombo. Mm-hmm. David, the Admiral David Robinson, and Alonzo Mourning. Yeah. Those are, those are the five centers that I have listed. And let's be honest, all five of them are more are better and maybe more interesting than Sean Bradley. Sure. Well, here would be my, my pitch for, for why the only player that I felt like was miscast was Muggsy. And I was a huge Muggsy Bogues fan. Sure. Um, but here's, here's my thoughts on why they did what they did. So first off, they go to the, the Suns and Knicks game. Right. So they get two players from that game. Right. We both agree those are solid picks, especially for this era of the NBA. Sure. Um, but then they go to a second game, which is the, I believe at the time, Mirasan was playing for the Bullets. Okay. So I think it was now the Wizards. Um, but, and I could be wrong on that. I'll have to look. Maybe you can look, but uh, it was the Hornets versus the Bullets. So rather than having to go to three games, I think they took the convenience of, okay, Larry Johnson was known for just being vicious at that time. Um, I also think, you know, probably personality played a little bit into it. Um, I didn't look this up, but I wouldn't even be surprised if Pitka did the Larry Johnson commercials when he was grandmama. Okay, sure. And those were some some fun commercials, but he uh-huh. had some personality and that. And then Muggsy Bogues being a player that while he's maybe not dominant and intimidating, he's memorable and fast. He's and so memorable. you sell him as that other player. I yeah. think the the missed opportunity is in the Muggs, Muggsy Bogues. I feel like Gary Payton would have been the perfect point guard to pick for this because Gary Payton was a notorious trash talker. Yeah. And like, just, you know, really aggressive on defense right. and all of that. And like, would have fit in with kind of like what they were going with the Monstars. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, while the Sean Bradley one feels the most out of place because he wasn't a good basketball player, um, at least not in the NBA. Right. I don't know that if you're, if you want that fifth spot to be kind of a goofy one, I don't think Shaq, Elijah Wan, robinson morning i don't think they want to be portrayed as like this goofy bumbling tall tall guy so i feel like the only one that might have gone for it was dikembe because dikembe was so funny in general with the finger wag and all that right but i think you also needed to not take away from jordan in that sense so yeah that's a good point like i I like because the forward forward wise I mean, there's just so many good forwards. Sure. You know, obviously they specifically didn't. I thought it would have been interesting. Like you think about it now, like it would have been really interesting if they would have pulled a couple of Bulls players and had to have Jordan play against like a Monstars Dennis Rodman or a Monstars Scottie Pippen. Sure. Like, like that would be interesting. Or if you had a Monstars John Stockton who just didn't like, who was just... (laughs) animated well, monster version of john stockton <laughs> for sure well here's a here's a funny uh thing on rodman so rodman didn't actually play with jordan 
in the first three, Pete? No, not until the last three, he, right? He, he was, was on, he was on he the, was Pistons. the Pistons. And technically, it, it, and this is, this is from an interview that uh, Entertainment Weekly did with the director. Okay. Uh, but he, he subtly claims a little bit of credit for Dennis Rodman even being on the Bulls. Uh, because according to Pitka, who claims that they used to, he and Jordan would play one-on-one in kind of like the off times Mm -hmm. because Jordan had Warner Brothers set up Jordan a whole like custom gym just for him so he could of course training up during this. But um, he claims he said, why haven't you guys gone after Dennis Rodman? Um, And Jordan apparently said, something along the lines of like, I don't know whether I could play with Dennis and Pitka said, look, the guy doesn't shoot. He plays defense. He rebounds and he doesn't get in your way. You should go after him. And he claims that that night, Dennis Rodman was at the Beverly Hills hotel with Michael and they made the deal that following Monday. So again, this is, this is Pitka who this is probably his only real claim to fame, right? Whether or not this is a little bit of a, you know, tall tale or expansion of, of the truth. Um, Jordan definitely had that kind of power, I would say on the organization. Sure. But, uh, but at the same time, I I don't know that we can give him that much credit, but that was, I thought it was a funny story that uh, it's a great story. I still would have liked to have seen, like you show me like a, a purple monster with a multicolor Afro hair. Like what, Sure. Who, sure. Who's, who's who says no? Why why are we not doing that? Um, and I also like the idea of there being some dramatic stakes of like, okay, I gotta go against the Scottie Pippen monster, but maybe Scottie Pippen doesn't want to be a monster because Jordan's gonna win the game. I don't know. I don't I don't know how. Yeah, I think the teammates could have created knowing what you know, and who knows? We'll find out more with the documentary coming out. But sure. knowing what's been rumored about the locker room and the way Jordan was in there. I don't know that anybody would have wanted to do the movie with him. No, uh, no, especially after he left and it's like, you leave us to do this sure. on our own. Yeah, that's probably a good point. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the games. Now, the funny thing is, is again, unlike the other sports movies, there's only one game. That's it. There's, there's part of a baseball game that's shown and then the little basketball games they show before, you know, and when the NBA players get their their abilities stolen but other than that it's one game it's the game of the century monsters versus toon squad playing for the (laughs) so that the looney tunes don't have to be enslaved on a on an intergalactic theme park planet um i have some issues with this game david all right now it's which which is very difficult for me okay because it's played in cartoon land sure and it's it's cartoon movie but first and foremost, I have a problem with the rules of this game. I have a problem okay. with, with the, the, the refing. The referee play is just atrocious. There are, I, there are no fouls called. How's, are, Mar- how's Marvin the Martian supposed to hold any order in this game? Think about this. He's the best one for it because he's also a cartoon alien, but he's not sure. their alien. Yeah. So he's, he's in the middle. Right. So that's why sure. they got to have him be the ref. That makes a lot of sense. I'm on board with that. But how can Marvin the Martian start talking about forfeiting a game when there's only four players 
mm-hmm. and blowing whistles and stuff when the monsters are literally like murdering Looney Tunes. Like they they cook Foghorn Leghorn, they flatten Stan, they put their entire team on the bench with not just dirty plays, but literally they're not plays. It's they're not playing basketball. They're playing football when where the basketball goes in the basket. Like that's what they're doing. And there are no fouls called. So that's all I'm wondering. All I'm asking about is a clarification of the rules here. What are we doing? Why even have a referee? Like why even have a ref involved if they're, we're just going to do that? I don't get it. It's really frustrating. I feel like it's because it's in Looney Tune land. So, you know, it's just like there's a lot of laws of, you know, physics and all other sorts of things that happen in Looney Tunes. I feel like everything goes from that standpoint. All that that being said, there's one thing, and I'm kicking myself for not going back because I noticed it while I was watching it with my kids, and I didn't get a chance to go back and rewind and see it. I believe there's actually an editing issue. Okay. In this movie. Interesting. If you watch the tail end of the game. Yeah. um, I believe when they go into that timeout, when Bill Murray sets up the play Uh uh, or the strategy, the tune squad is down 10 points on the scoreboard. You just barely see it in the corner. And I believe it said 67, 57. Interesting. And then when you get back, it's that it was what a tie game i think when they get back out there um and they got to get the steal and then is is for the win um but anyways i did i did notice that i'm 90 percent sure that that's the case but we could go back i mean the scorekeeping in general um right and again it's looney tunes but it goes up and like in the first half it just goes up and up and up and up and then it says kind of lopsided huh (laughs) and then So we don't actually know what it is until we get to halftime, which uh-huh. it's only like a 40-point game, I think, or, or something like that. Uh-huh. But apparently the Toon Squad plays lockdown defense in the second half. Because right. They only, they only give up like 15 points, I think, or maybe 25 points. How do they – are they half. just – it's got to be all steals, right? Because you know they're not apparently. blocking. Yeah, apparently. They're not – I mean, they're using, they're using Looney Tunes nonsense. Like literally the freaking Coyote – straps a bunch of explosives to the basket to keep them from dunking i'm here for it i'm here uh, for elmer fudd and and freaking yosemite sam do a pulp fiction bit i loved it there was those are some of the best moments that's the other thing that's one of the amazing things about 1996 1995 is the amount of violence in this movie the amount of gun violence in this movie (laughs) the amount of sexuality in this movie there's an actual full animated ass in this movie (laughs) Like Lola Bunny's out here looking like a femme fatale. There's this this movie's nuts. Um, and in hindsight, like the when you look at what kids' movies are nowadays and how, for lack of a better word, how kind of neutered they are, you know. And you know, you got kids. You sure. you know what's on like the Disney Channel and shit like that. Like it's interesting how kind of unruly the uh, the Looney Tunes were. Looney Tunes um, and Animaniacs. Yeah. You? Yes. Very much so. Can't get so, away with it anymore, though. Outside, no, God, no. Um, so outside of that, and the fact that, like, one other complaint that I have is that the Monstars are all wearing the number zero. 
I know that's illegal. Well, when you're not calling fouls, it doesn't really matter if everybody has the same jersey number. (laughs) I wish I had the stats for this movie. Like, I wish I could watch this movie and put a stat line together for everybody. I don't think it's been done. I didn't bother looking for it, but it'd be interesting to see because I know we don't see because I think the final score is like 78 to 77. Um, I think. Or maybe it's 79 to 78. So uh, there, there, there are some people that have done it. Of course uh, they have. Funny enough, one of the people that did it was, I believe, Harvard. <laughs> the Harvard College Sports Holy Analysis Collective um, actually did it. Um, let me see if I can are you get re- you some uh, did stats. you find the did you find the wired article on it? I did. Yep. Okay, good. We're looking so Michael one. Michael Jordan was twenty two of twenty two from the field. Twenty two of twenty two for forty four points. Okay, okay. Um, Bugs was five of five for ten. Lola was four for four for eight points. Daffy was two of two. Tasmanian Devil was two of two. Uh, Bugs Bugs and uh, Daffy led the team in turnovers with four and three apiece. Jordan had two turnovers. Okay. Um, funny enough, Jordan didn't put any other stats. Didn't get any rebounds. Didn't have any assists. Didn't have any steals. No None blocks. Three, uh, it was assist, three assists from Bugs. Yeah. Uh, Bugs, Bugs was a distributor, the only person to pass. The and ball, Daffy apparently. with the game, like that steal is important. That one steal is very, very valuable. It is. Um, the bench, the bench definitely, uh, didn't have a whole lot of impact in this game. Right. We had Porky, Elmer, Pepe Le Pew, and um, Stan that were uh, Stan, the only ones that uh, contributed. Oh, Stan. Points. But, yeah, it's uh, – according to that, the tunes, Jordan had 44 of their 78 points. Right. It's crazy. And I think Jordan – I think – I don't know, because Stan, I guess you could count Stan's as a jump shot, but Jordan actually has the only jump shot in the movie. It's a single jump shot where he, yeah. he does a little spin move, gets out of the defense, and then puts up a mid-range jumper and, and swishes it. And then Stan gets just dogpiled on, but he also gets that lucky shot off. Um, yep. So, so yeah, it's that's... <laughs> It's it's really funny if any, if anybody listening to this wants to see it the Wired article and the uh, the breakdown that the Harvard analysis did is actually really funny to read through when you get into the noteworthy things like uh, the Tunes squad was uh, averaging 132 points per 100 possessions the Monstars scored 154 per 100 possessions which is obviously impossible um, so many dunks for the end game. There was zero rebounds in the entire game by either team. No one missed a shot. So that, uh, that was interesting. <laughs> Not the Muggsy Bogues character had six assists. Yep. Like crazy. Absolutely crazy. And Stan and Michael were the only two players to record yeah. a non-dunk attempt. Um, Stan's was after being smashed and uh, Jordan had the one jumper. Jordan had the one jumper. So with all that being said, who gets the sports center play? I have a, I have a few listed here. Um, I didn't, obviously didn't list them all, but I have a few. Uh, the first one I have is the is Lola Bunny running up the face of uh, uh, the orange monster for a dunk. Mm-hmm. I have Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam doing the Pulp Fiction defense. 
with with handguns. Yep, I love I, it. I have that one sweet jump shot from MJ. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have stands, dogpile, lucky shot. I have again, aside from MJ's mid-range jumper, Elmer Fudd's dunk, where he's got the tongue out and he's doing the MJ, like he's doing the MJ dunk. Yeah. Might be the best pure basketball move of the entire game. Uh, and then I have obviously the final two plays of the game, which is the Daffy steal for the final possession and MJ's final arm stretch cartoon dunk for the win. Mm-hmm. So what do you think out of all those would get the sports center top 10, the number one at the, on the top 10? It's tough. Cause I feel like they're all very similar in the sense that they're all ridiculous. Yes. For the most part. Um, so I feel like the, the last sequence they would probably chop together both the steel and the dunk from Jordan. So I feel like that was probably most likely to get it, even yeah. if it by definition is not the most worthy. Um, but I mean, Jordan jumps from half court to dunk it. So, I mean, I feel like right. it's a slam slam dunk pun intended that, uh, that that ends up as the the top play. I love how I love how because it would be here's the thing. They tell him it's Looney Tunes, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And then he jumps at mid mid court, which mm-hmm. that alone would have been cool. Like that would have been like, oh, it's Looney Tunes gravity. He can jump from mid court. He can do something that nobody's ever done before. But then they put the stretchy arm on it, and it just goes to a whole nother level of ridiculousness. Um, I agree with you. I think it would be that final combo. I think the steal and the dunk to 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 win the game is probably uh, is probably the winner. I don't even think we should do the most unrealistic moment, like because it's this whole movie is nonsense. I think maybe yeah. the, I think the most unrealistic moment has to be tied into the fact that like the size of the hole Stan digs at the golf course there's, and listen, I'll do respect to Wayne Knight, but as a fellow big man, there's no way he's digging that hole on his own like that with a shovel. <laughs> like there's no way there's no way there's, he'd be, he would be out of commission. He would be too sore. He would be so tired. He, he wouldn't get half that far trying to dig that hole with a single shovel. Um, that's, I'm going to say that. I think that's the most unrealistic moment because uh, I can't list anything in cartoon land. Apparently, yeah. apparently the thing about the Tar Heels wearing uh, Jordan wearing the Tar Heel shorts was real. Yeah. Yep. So that's wild. Um, yeah, I, it's just it's I, I laughed in the analysis by the Harvard crew, which said that uh, despite being as big as he was and playing the entire game, uh, and the fact that even Elmer Fudd could jump, have a 40 inch vertical that still somehow Sean Bradley managed to not record a single stat the entire game. I feel like that's while we're talking unrealistic, that's probably the most realistic. It is probably re- <laughs> realistic. At least they, they knew that much. Exactly. Um, and then of course, best game is another one where we don't really, I mean, it's a single game, maybe the most important basketball game ever played. Um, but yeah, it's the final game. It's total nonsense. There's very little actual basketball to be attained from here, but I do still think that there's some good, there's some good lessons to be pulled from here. Number one, defense, defense wins championships. Number two, 
you gotta you gotta believe in yourself. You gotta believe that in, even in the face of insurmountable odds that you can compete. You know. Um, so yeah, uh, I I don't know. Do you have anything else to add about the about the best game, the final game, the only game in Space Jam? I don't think so. I think uh, I think in general there was a uh, quite the 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 two halves tale of two halves. Yeah, and. I I wish we had a little bit more. I I think we had some fun moments with like the the pulp fiction. I I always enjoy those types of things. I feel like we could have had a little bit more of the Looney Tunes action in the second half. Um and some of the more bits that Looney Tunes was uh, was known for, but I I enjoy the second half obviously a lot. Oh yeah, for sure. So, why does this why do the why do the why does the Tune Squad and why does Space Jam go in the sports movie Hall of Fame? Like, because w- it's not for the sports, but I think probably more than anything, it's the cult- It's the cultural impact of Space Jam. I mean, we didn't even talk about the fact that the website is still up. Like, if you go to the Space Jam <laughs> website, it's still the original 1996 website for the movie. You know, the idea of sports stars acting in movies wasn't anything new. I mean, you could go all the way back to OJ Simpson. You can go back to, you know, hell Joe Namath. Like there's been sports stars who have been in movies before this, but I don't think there's ever been a moment where the, the top sports star on the planet was in a movie like this in a kid's movie like this. Well, I think there's also few, well, I think it's, the only one where, because speaking of Mighty Ducks too, okay. we do get uh, we do get Wayne Gretzky in that one. It's who's true, the greatest hockey player, but he's just there attending a party versus right, his cameo uh, versus uh, actually playing. Right. Um, I think I think it's the only sports movie I can think of of like the best player in that sport at that time playing the sport in a movie. And not for nothing, but, you know, for all the credit that and we, we talked about this at the beginning a little bit, but I do want to point it out again that, you know, Jordan and and again, we'll learn more about the doc in the documentary that's coming out, which I'm really excited about. But Jordan was known as being that stone cold killer. And the fact that he can was able to poke fun at himself in a number of different ways in this movie, be it his bad baseball career you know, be it all the things that they're talking about. And same with like Barkley as well. Like when they make the, I'll never go out with Madonna again bit, like a lot of these guys are able to poke fun at themselves. And I do think that that's something rare in professional athletes. I think it's there and it it clearly exists. You know, you see it and you might see it even more in professional athletes today, but there are still a good number of professional athletes who are entirely too self-serious, who are entirely too self-conscious about their image, who are entirely too focused on, um, maintaining, you know, what that image is. Um, and I think, I think Jordan doing this, obviously it helps his image. I think there's still a lot of strategy there, but being able to poke fun at himself in some of his biggest failures is really interesting. It's something that I think a lot of people, a lot of professional athletes might not be able to do. Sure. No, I would agree. I would agree. I, uh, I wonder to some point, you know, I think Jordan and probably the only person, only other athletes, and granted, 
you get the benefit when you're the greatest in the game for a long sure. stretch. But Jordan, obviously, I think was was and potentially is the most successful athlete at marketing himself. Um, obviously, he has the Jordan brand at Nike and all of right. that kind of stuff. But obviously, this easily could have been part of, you know, continuing to grow that brand, appealing to, you know, keeping that appeal to the younger generation and all yeah. of that and just kind of adding to that. Um, which I think is another reason, but I also, I think it's another reason why LeBron might be looking to do it, but I also think Uh it's something that maybe could be influenced by having kids too. Like you, someone approaches you about having this opportunity and you're like, it would be great, you know, to have this with my kids. Now, LeBron's kids are all quite a bit older now. So I don't think it's quite the same. Whereas Jordan's kids were like in the Looney Tunes phase when this, came out right so but regardless i mean i think for me when i look back on this movie it's the music that i remember first and foremost the music is crazy like the the i the i what's the word the iconography the the the, discography no just how iconic that 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 actual soundtrack wound up being yeah, absolutely. It's really impressive. I think anybody, especially I think anybody our age, but definitely anybody our age that played sports or even just enjoyed going out and shooting hoops or whatever, yeah, um, played this soundtrack at least a few times during their uh, during their time on the court. So I know, I know for me, I definitely did. Oh yeah, most definitely, man. I'm excited to see what they do with the second one. Uh, I'm excited. Diana Taurasi is going to be in it too. Like yeah, that'll be that'll I'm, be really cool. With all the people that are supposedly going to be in it and characters that are supposedly going to be in it, I'm I'm very excited to see what comes of it. And my guess is it's probably going to be one of those movies that is kind of good bad maybe. It's, yeah. It's hard to make a movie like this. And my hope is that they are okay with that and that they embrace some of the goofiness that is looney tunes and what's supposed to be in this right versus being like let's make like a legit like good movie with this which i feel is almost impossible yeah yeah it'll be super interesting um but yeah man space jam space jams in the books we got one more sports movie month movie and then we're putting up a poll for what movie we should do for the last one so don't forget to check us out online don't forget to check out our social media on twitter on facebook on instagram we're gonna put the poll up on our twitter feed and link it to all of those uh for you to vote on what the last movie of sports movie month is going to be but before we go, I want to remind everybody that you can get regular episodes of the Popcorn Diet delivered to you for free just by clicking follow, clicking subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, give us a review, and share us with all of your other good movie buddies. Also, don't forget to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Uh, Not only is it going to help us continue on the podcast and make things better, but it's going to give you early access to regular episodes. It's going to give you exclusive patron only content right now. We are slow rolling through the fast and furious franchise with our franchise refills. And you can get those only on our Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. 
And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, reviews, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with another sports movie talking all about the NFL draft with draft day on the popcorn diet. Adios.